Hello and welcome back to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. This is I Love Basketball. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, joined today by Harrison Fagan. Harrison, how's it going? You know, it's going well, Sabrina. Like I, I, I got, I got two days off during like an insane NBA news time, so I didn't have to write. I could just like laugh at all of the dysfunction and like the Pelicans and Mavericks in like a two-team race to the bottom of like who can be more dysfunctional over a 48-hour period. And I would say the Mavericks have the lead right now, but you just can never underestimate the Pelicans doing something truly Mm -hmm. stupid. And so, you know, this has been, it's, you know, I feel bad for some of the people involved, but it's tremendous content. Really, really just excellent, excellent theater at a time when, you know, Laker fans don't have a ton to look forward to. The demise of the franchises that have the young superstars who should be angling to get their way to Los Angeles is really all we have to look forward to. So... Because, like, look, only one of them could probably end up with the Knicks, right? And it seems like Zion, based on his press conference answer, like, he's probably headed there. So, Luca, Luca, Lakers, you know, there's some alliteration there. Like, we could, they can name them the Lukers, although that's like, then you're kind of Luke Walton connections. I don't know. We could, well, we could get that, that. going. There's, we could, we could make this happen. There. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's already like the Luca magic thing yeah. going, which I feel like has a nice, you know, homage to former great Laker point guard. I mean, Obviously, he wouldn't want to go to the Knicks. Do you think Magic does heel turn if Luca ends up on the Lakers? Like, there can't be another Matt. Like, he starts talking about Luca like he's D'Angelo Russell, like <laughs> 2.0. Just he's like, he's too slow. He can't. My good friend Luca Doncic was once again choked in the fourth quarter last night of this first round yeah, playoff I, game. I would have to think that if the the Lakers got another superstar, that Magic Johnson would be completely on board, just as he was with Anthony Davis. So. Yeah, I'm I'm not concerned about the the heel turn Robert Johnson might make. Yeah, maybe he'd like try to take Luca under his wing to like win back the good graces mm-hmm. of fans after, you know, his exit. He's like, you know, just they they tweet a video of like him working on passing with Luca in an empty gym. Yeah, somewhere. it's it's really a, the perfect succession plan for when LeBron James eventually retires because Luca is a far more fitting replacement than Bronny. So, you know, I I prefer it. <laughs> Well, we'll see. Okay. Look, Bronny, he might get there. Who knows? I don't, I don't evaluate high schoolers, so I don't know. Maybe. 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 I was going to ask about Bryce, but you just said you don't evaluate high schoolers. I think he just finished middle school from what I understand. Yeah. I, oh, I, I meant I only evaluate <laughs> middle schoolers as, at basketball and then I stop at high school and then I restart evaluating in college. So yeah, Bryce, number one on my 2028 big board or, you know, whenever he'd be getting Good to drafted. Know. Good to know. I mean, the last name doesn't hurt. Anyway, uh, as you said, it's been just a colossally ridiculous couple of days in terms of NBA news. Some of it quite entertaining. Some of it just tremendously sad, you know, in terms of what's going on with uh, the Clippers and the Suns. Obviously, like, don't know the extent of those situations. And maybe Chris Paul and Kawhi Leonard will be back sooner than later. I don't really care to speculate. But the one thing that I did want to talk about is you mentioned the Dallas Mavericks earlier. And there had been six... NBA head coaching openings before you and I decided to record our podcast today. And right before we started to record, <laughs> a seventh one made its way on the list. And that is the Dallas Mavericks, where Rick Carlisle, who was the, I'm sorry, the, the second or third longest tenured coach in the NBA, has decided to resign from his post of the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, you may recall that Rick Carlisle won a championship with the Dallas Mavericks in 2011 and has yet to win a playoff series in the 10 years since then but still regarded as one of the finer coaches in the NBA. But as we discussed, Lord knows what's happening in Dallas. Who is in charge? 
Yeah, when he wins a playoff series, he wins, he all, wins all of them. So it's just like you got to stop him in the first round. Otherwise, it's just like a boulder exactly. going downhill. So, yeah, the, the Dallas Mavericks now have a head coaching opening. And Rick Carlisle left an, a lovely parting note to ESPN on his way out the door. And I'm just going to read it as it was reported to Woj. It says, <laughs> with no, no typos in this, in this one. one. After a number of in-person conversations with Mark Cuban over the last week, today I informed him that I will not be returning as head coach of the Dallas Mavericks. This was solely my decision. My family and I have had an amazing 13-year experience working with great people in a great city. It has been an honor to work alongside Mark, Sint, Donnie, Finn, Keith, Dirk, J-Kid, and every player and assistant coach I have had here. Dallas will always be my home, but I'm excited about the next chapter of my coaching career. Now, just a little, you know, listening comprehension exercise here, Harrison. Do you think Luca? Do you think that Luca demanded him fired again after he left him out of like the parting way statement? Fire? Do you think he like he texted Mark? He's like, you got to text Woj that he was fired. He didn't resign. I mean, as I understand it, if he did not mention JJ Barea, I think Luca is a little bit lower on the pecking order because JJ Barea delivered a title to the good That's folks. That's probably true. Uh, yes. Yeah, something Luca's you know, never done. Luca's absence is not what stood out to me from that note. <laughs> Luca's absence barely even registered the top three no. things that stood out to me from that note. Uh, the number one thing that resonates from Rick Carlisle's departure announcement is that he chose to mention one Jason Kidd. And Dirk and Jason Kidd being the only players he mentioned. Like I, I was telling you before we got on air, like Dirk has got to feel insulted by this. That like Jay Kidd is like the only one in his echelon, I guess. Or like like at that point, you got to just mm-hmm. mention Dirk. Like that's disrespectful to include Kidd in there. It's like yeah, they were the same level and of. You mention to me. like you know everybody on the 2011 title team. Like where's Jason Terry? Where is you know Josh Howard? <laughs> like where are all of these Lakers, Lakers legend, legend Tyson, Tyson Chandler? Chandler? I mean. To me, Jason Kidd is not the first name that comes to mind after Dirk Nowitzki when I think of longtime Dallas Mavericks. Obviously, uh, Rajon Rondo is number one on that list. But who am I? (laughs) Only player less likely than Luka to get a shout out in that thank you note was Rajon Rondo, I think. Honestly, it's it's more surprising that he didn't say, and all of my players except Rajon Rondo. Again, I'm, who am I to challenge, you know, the relationships that Rick Carlisle had with his individual players? You know, I'm not here to judge what level of affection he had for every single one of them. But, you know, we've talked about this several times before that Jason Kidd has the hardest working agent in all of the NBA because his name just seems to surface anytime there is an opportunity to talk about a potential head coach. Jason Kidd's name is there. Uh, this is not even like a listing of potential head coaches. This is just Rick Carlisle saying by the Dallas Mavericks. And for good measure, just to preempt the onslaught of names that is about to come through, throwing Jason Kidd's name onto the fire to say, hey, I'm going to get the party started for you, is how I interpreted it. Well, I, I actually took it the opposite way. I think that was like a small gesture of apology to J-Kid that like, hey, I know one of these openings. Like, yes, this one's here. I don't know what your relationship with Cubes is like, but like, sorry, I'm probably going to get one of the better jobs. So that will not be available to you and your agent. So I, I took that as like a small, you know, Jason Kidd gesture of apology. Like, J-Kid, I really like you. It's not personal, man, but I really want that Celtics job or that Bucks job or, you know, whatever I, I took it may it be. as a Jason Kidd's agent talking to Rick Carlisle saying, hey, Put my guy's name in there for the <laughs> Dallas job before this even gets going. You know, yeah. one, one of the things I, you know, 
No, I mean you may be right. He he's trying to he's trying to put it in Cubans. He's like incepting it into Cubans' brain early. Like he's going to be like, "What about Jason what Kidd? Should we call him and like not remember where the <laughs> thought came from?" But like he just saw it in the statement. Just woke and, up with it in his yeah. head. Yeah. Well, I mean, as we've gone over now, there are seven head coaching vacancies in the NBA. We've got Dallas. We've got the Bucks. We've got you know five others. Sorry, I'm not sorry, the not Bucks, the Bucks yet. <laughs> Technically, not the Bucks yet. Ah, my bad. We've got Dallas, six others, and potentially more depending on what happens over the next few weeks in the playoffs. Um, Generally speaking, I would think that losing in the conference semifinals is not grounds for being dismissed from your job, but there are certain teams in the Eastern Conference that are, you know, threatening that position in my respect. So what I thought would be fun was because the Lakers currently employ who I believe to be the hottest coaching candidate in NBA circles. (laughs) Not the most qualified, Apparently so. According to the league, the best option. Yeah, but definitely the hottest coaching candidate in all of these potential openings. Thought it might be fun to rank these positions in order of Jason Kidd's interest in that job. So this is not what you or I think is the best job. This is not what the NBA at large thinks is the best job. This is just where Jason Kidd would want to go because it does seem like he's going to have his choice of these options. I, I don't know about that. I would not go that far. I think, I think, you know, look, like anytime. Yeah. Like I think that Jason Kidd's agent is certainly going to make sure that his name is mentioned it, next to all of these openings, him getting them. I think there's going to be some, you know, that's going to be a bridge to cross. Like, you know, as far as like when it comes to his criminal history, that's going to be a barrier for some teams. I think, you know, he pled guilty to spousal abuse in 2012. He had a DUI in, uh, or no, that was not in 20, the DUI was 2012. Spousal abuse was earlier in the two thousands. Um, and so that's going to be a barrier. I think as we saw in Portland, there was huge, huge, huge like mm-hmm. local uproar about him even being considered a candidate and then he does the you can't fire me I quit and bows out of that job opening so that will be I think a real hurdle for him to clear in some places more than others I would imagine just based on like you know uh socio-political you know, alliance I mean, and things like that of the well, area that these right? teams like, are located the Lakers uh reportedly concerned about hiring him as a head coach and that's why they made Frank the head coach and just brought him on as an assistant because they didn't like the optics of having him as a as the head coach in waiting, I mean, yes. lead assistant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, like, I, I think that's going to be a barrier for him. So, like, that's why I'm, like, I don't know about having his pick of all of these, but, like, I did try to, you know, in the interest of this much more lighthearted exercise, get inside the head of one Jason Kidd coup enthusiast and just figure out, like, where would he most want to go as far as these head coaching openings? Coup enthusiast Jason Kidd is probably my favorite lighthearted. That's probably on his. That's on his resume. I bet it's like Jason. It's not coach. It's Jason Kidd. You know the way some of these franchises run. That may be a plus. You never know. You really don't. Yeah, I mean, look. look I think that there are probably some that uh, are more attractive <laughs> to him as a coup enthusiast. All you right. Know? Well, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and see how our lists compare. All right, we're back talking about Jason Kidd and the seven NBA head coaching openings currently available. Might throw some extras in the mix just for fun. But Harrison, if you were Jason Kidd, which would be the least appealing head coaching job that is currently available in the NBA? Well, I mean, I think we already have the answer, and it's the Portland Trailblazers because he already took his name out of the running. You know, I I think that it was – I don't – I just think – 
my sense of that is like, look, this is a guy whose agent is connecting him to every single job in the NBA. I think that they sensed the local kind of resistance to that. I think that they sense that it very much seems like Olshay wants Billups based on the leaks and things that we've gotten. And like, if it was up to him, it just would be Billups. And I think, you know, when you are getting into this many searches and you're getting your, like, it's great to have your name up, but if you can avoid losing out on one and make it look like you were in a position of power and like, Hey, I'm a stand up guy. I'm stepping away from this because I don't want to make things awkward for this organization. Like if there's one thing that we know about Jason Kidd from his entire coaching career, it's that he loves making things awkward for organizations. He, tried to seize power in Brooklyn and when he failed took the job of I believe it was uh, who was the coach of uh the Bucks at the time I'm blanking on who it was uh, was it Larry Drew it was Larry Drew yes it was I almost said Lloyd Pierce because the L name but it was Larry Drew mm-hmm. had the Bucks job and Jason Kidd negotiates with the GM and ownership of the Bucks behind his back commits a, a successful coup there after the failed one in Brooklyn. Like, so, you know, look, maybe Jason Kidd has learned from most political missteps, but I, I don't think that this is a guy who really cares about making things awkward if he thinks that he has a chance for a job. And so that is why uh, Portland was at the bottom of my list just because he's already bowed out. Yeah. I think you make a really excellent point about Jason Kidd trying to uh, change his perception, you know, as someone who's a little bit more amicable in these situations by bowing down from that situation. So, yeah, Portland was also the last on my list. Uh, who comes in right ahead of Portland, Harrison? Uh, the Orlando Magic. And I, <laughs> yes, I put the Orlando Magic down there. Just You you have the same one? Yeah. I have the same Just so far. Because, like, look, I think that there are benefits of taking that job. I think that, you know, it's a place where they're pretty clearly in for a long teardown. So I think that you would probably have a lot of job security. But I also think, look, this is Jason Kidd's third head coaching job. Once you get to three, you're starting to approach the territory of if you don't do well in that third one, then you're probably not going to be getting hired as a head coach again. And that's just not a place where, like, that seems like the type of job where a young up-and-comer is going to get it. They're going to develop that core, and then they're going to get fired when the team is ready to win or whatever and then have to have their second act somewhere else or, you know, going. I just don't think that that's a place where, you know, I certainly think he would take the job if it was the only one open to him because he really seems to want to be a head coach again. But if I'm ranking these in terms of my guesses about his preference, that just seems to be setting yourself up for eventual failure and your head overall head coaching record looking a lot worse by the end of it. What's interesting is I think Jason Kidd is actually pretty well suited for this magic job because you've got, you know, point guards who don't know how to shoot in Markel Fultz and, I mean, Cole Anthony doesn't really fit that build, but there's young point guards who I think Jason Kidd would be the right guy to help mentor um, into that direction. Like you said, there's a lot of runway. I thought he was very good with the young guys in Milwaukee. Um, there's, you know, mixed reports about that based on his, you know, ignominious exit from the Bucks. But I, I mean, do Jared Dudley that... did have to demand that Jason Kidd start Giannis over him. So I don't know. How, I don't know how great of a job he did with the young guys, but I mean, Giannis, Giannis apparently cried right? when Jason Kidd got fired. So according to Jason Kidd. Yeah, and there's, I mean, we all love Jared Dudley. I, I I don't know if he's the one who's the reason that Giannis was starting at the end of the season, but yeah. teach his own, right? Uh, I do think that that fit makes a lot of sense, and the Orlando Magic are one of the teams that have requested permission to interview Jason Kidd, so there is clearly interest be, from that side. Could be happening as we speak. We know it was going to be this week, yeah. That's correct. So, but I'm with you. I It seems to me like Jason Kidd is in the interest, like he's – he wants to go to a team that has a chance to win right now. And that 
very much is not the Orlando Magic. So that's why, like you, it was second to last on my list. Yeah, the Magic uh, are like his safety school, I think. It's like if you can't get into another organization, like at least there, you know, maybe you could commit like a coup at some point and install yourself as general manager and then you're off to the races. You, you Then you, right. you know, you're not going to get fired, you know. And speaking of general manager, the general manager in Orlando is the one who was in Milwaukee when Jason Kidd held the head coaching job there. So there's already organizational familiarity. So you'd feel very comfortable as Jason Kidd if you were in that situation. But again, the Orlando roster is is terrible. It's really, really bad. And who knows how much interest Jason Kidd has in a rebuilding situation. I'm of the belief that he doesn't. Like, that's why he's on the Lakers, because he wants to win. And also, he's probably heard some not great things about the Magic organization from Frank Vogel. I would just hazard a guess that Vogel probably does not think super highly of that organization, although he is way too nice of a guy to ever say it. (laughs) All right. Who comes next, Harrison? I had uh, the Washington Wizards as next up. Three for three oh, so wow. far. We are really just in each other's head today. This is incredible. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I'm curious to hear what your reasoning is, but mine is pretty simple. I just think that, you know, they're a team that obviously there is, I think, more upside than some of these options. Like if they just decide to run it back, go around Beal and Russ, you know, maybe get a little bit of a better roster around those two guys. Maybe you can make a nice little playoff run. If you get an upset in the first round or something, then all of a sudden you're cooking with gas. And But... I just think that there's so much potential volatility there in terms of, you know, like if you can't get them over the top, then you're right back on the hot seat because they're trying to keep Beal or does be is Beal demanding a trade at some point soon? You know, how much more does Russ have in the tank, you know, with the way that his game is like so predicated on athleticism as he starts to lose a step, he's extremely expensive. I don't know. He's two more years under contract, I think, right? Like under that huge deal. Yeah. Yeah. And so I... To me, and then very quickly, all of a sudden, you're in a backslide into a rebuild, which is the same concerns as the magic to me. So that was why it was lower on my list. Yeah, to me, the the problem with Washington is that their expectations to me are out of whack with where the franchise is yes. from a talent perspective. Like they are much more confident in their ability to win than I would think their roster would suggest. So it's that just was the maybe, nicest way to say that they suck and they're delusional that I've ever heard. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I just don't have a lot of faith in what they're building there. And I think whoever comes in as the next head coach is really going to be put in a position to fail. And like it's it's a slightly better situation for me than Orlando just because I do think that you're in a position where you can at least contend for a playoff spot right away, which is you know much more than what the Magic can say. But it it just feels very unstable there. Like who knows if Beal obviously has outwardly proclaimed that he wants to stay in Washington and that's the party line, but people are going to keep knocking down the door asking to get him. And like, it just seems like there's a lot of potential for, like you said, volatility. And although Jason Kidd, I mean, he's no stranger to volatility. I do think that's a situation you'd rather stay away from. If like you said, you're going into head coaching job number three, it's plus, I don't, I feel like James, Jason Kidd and Russ would just butt heads a little bit too much. And yeah, I don't, I, I mean, I honestly, I, I don't know, but like, yeah, they do seem like two fairly strong-willed individuals when it comes to like how they want to play and their view of the game and what a point guard does and all of that stuff. Like, yeah, that would be a very strange coach for a Russ team would be Jason Kidd. Like you have Captain Pure point guard coaching, uh, you know, like a guy who definitely leans the other way a little bit more. And would that lead to some potential friction or something when kids best idea is like, hey, we got to feed Beal as much as possible. And Russ is like, well, I'm going to bowling ball to the rim. And, you know, yeah. 
I mean, it is interesting that we found a way to pair Jason Kidd with point guards who can't shoot yet again. Yeah. But I just Jason Kidd's going to gonna turn him into Steph down. Curry. Like, watch out. Russ is going to be the all-time leader in three-point makes by the time uh, his career is done. Yeah, nothing about the Washington job is particularly exciting to me because, like, they don't have the young talent of an Orlando, and they just don't have the upside of, like, some of the other teams that are going to show up on this list. So I, I just don't see it. I mean, I was tempted to even put them below Orlando, but the just the sheer lack of any present talent on Orlando kind of threw me away. Yeah, just the fact that they have, like, two stars who theoretically, yeah. like, kid would like to and want to, like, try and relate to. You know, it does seem like mm-hmm. stars, you know, for all of his faults. And, you know, we can discuss these for yeah, – we could do a whole podcast on that too. Um, and, like, it does seem like stars, very much like Jason Kidd. And, you know, make of that what you will, but that is the reality of this NBA. And it does seem like he's a guy that has the ear of stars, very much so. Gotcha. All right, so we've done the bottom three teams on our list. Yes. Who comes next, Harrison? I have the Pacers. Oh, my God, four for four. (laughs) Are we really? Oh, my God. All right, so I have the Pacers. Should I go first on this one? Yeah, go ahead. You go first. Yeah, take it it away. (laughs) So I think of Indiana and Washington fairly similarly in terms of their talent base, Um, but I think that there's just a lot less pressure in Indiana because you're not dealing with superstar name players like Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, you know, Malcolm Brogdon and Domas Sabonis, even though they, they do appear to have just committed a coup to get Nate Bjorkman out of the way, don't have the same... Uh, so kid will respect know, them. <laughs> right, so they don't have the same league-wide, like, star cachet of the guys in Washington. So I think you're going to have a longer runway to work with in Indiana. And then also because... Like, I think Kevin Pelton of ESPN wrote this, where if they fire kid, then they'd have to be paying their fourth coach in four years. And like that's just, like, never going to happen. Yeah, so that's, a, that's a good you point. you kind of have some intrinsic job security because they're already on coach number three in three years, so they have to make this work. That's why I view Indiana as an upgrade to Washington, even though, like, they would seem to be very similar in terms of where they finished in the East Department standings. I also think there's just, like, a little bit more talent upside with Indiana, honestly. like. A lot of their players were hurt this year. If you get a healthy TJ Warren, you get a healthy Miles Turner. I do think there's upward mobility there. I, I like Harris Levert a lot too. So, yeah, I mean, not like a super, super exciting pick, but there's, it's kind of like when Jake was in Milwaukee the first time, right? Like kind of uh, fringes of the playoffs type of team where if you exceed expectations and like, you know, get to like the fifth or sixth seed, you've done a heroic deed. And that's, that's, that's a pretty great position to be in for me as an NBA head coach. Yeah, and I think the the only other things that I'll add to that because I agree I agree with pretty much everything you said uh, is that I just think as far as like a uh, media market like you're going to have less pressure on you there. So like there's going to be less pressure to make a change. Like if Jason Kidd is, you know, let's say closer to the level he was with the Bucks, then like, you know, I, I, with the Nets, he actually did like some innovative things. He leaned in the small ball like pretty early with KG, actually convinced KG to play center which is like unheard of, you know, and stuff. So like, I think I just don't necessarily, like, I think that that would be for that reason, maybe an appealing spot for him where there's going to be like less media scrutiny on how he's performing. And also like, does this star need a better coach? Like nobody's doing that for, you know, uh, like Sabonis, like it's just not happening. Right. And so though that, that would be the main thing that I'd add. Yeah. The, the one thing that, did kind of turn me off of the Indiana job, like, you know, from Jason Kidd's perspective, is that the Pacers seem to be leaning pretty hard to Terry Stotts. 
And you never want to put yourself in a situation where you're not the top candidate, right? Like we mentioned earlier, Jason Kidd just <clears throat> immediately extricated himself when it seemed like the, the Blazers were preferring Chauncey Billups. So I don't know if you'd be as interested in the Pacers job when they clearly have their eyes set on somebody else. Yeah. Maybe even Rick Carlisle. I do, I do think that also, though, one other thing is that, you know, if you – it very much seems like the entire Pacers locker room hated Bjorkren with every fiber of their yeah. being. And it, sometimes if you're the guy that comes in after that, you know, not only will they probably be healthier this season than they were last season, but they also, like, probably won't hate your guts. And that's probably worth a couple extra wins as well for a team that was already a playoff team. That's a really good point. And just that uh, general morale boost from a new guy coming in would probably yeah. help a lot. And so funny to think that Jason Kidd would be associated with that. Uh, the players yeah. love him. It just it is what it is. Yeah, the stars love him. Yeah, we, we thought we saw Dame demand that they hire him. So you know, yeah. All right. So we've already established that Portland is the least appealing destination. Then Orlando. Then Washington. Then Indiana. I think this is where it gets interesting. <clears throat> yes. I had a really hard time separating these next two teams personally. So I'm going to send it back to you, Harrison. Who is next on your Jason Kidd available head coaching power rankings? So I said Bucks. Okay. Yeah. Is this is this the first one we're differing on? This is the first one we're different on. Okay. So I I will explain my Bucks pick, and it's mostly that I mean, number one, I think it's tremendously unlikely that they actually interview <laughs> him, and that Giannis actually like demands like you know it, it, as hilarious as it would be if you know Milwaukee Bucks fans got what they want it wanted, and then Giannis just demanded kid back, and they were like, wait, no, not we said change the coach, but not that. Like, and so I, but, and I also, again, we talk about like not wanting to put yourself in a position where you're going to be rejected. We know that he did interview for the Nets opening last off season. So maybe if there's been some like management change in Milwaukee since he got fired, I actually didn't see if there had been, I don't, I don't think so. So I can't imagine that he'll be like a highly sought candidate there because they've kind of already seen Jason Kidd up close. And that was the main reason, like just as far as, you know, I, I just think in terms of the upside though, you know, if you get brought back, it's because Giannis really wanted you. And that means that you have a lot of job security if they're making this move. And that's the guy that he was like, no, you hire him. I just resigned here. I want Jason Kidd. Then that means that, and also like, obviously Giannis is a better player now than he was when Jason Kidd left. And you can kind of, to some degree, ride that and maybe have some job security off of that. But again, I don't think that it's like tremendously likely that he'll end up there. And so it's like the, you can't fire me. I quit vibes of like, you know, putting them a little lower on the list. So it does seem that there's been a little bit of turnover since Jason Kidd was there. Uh, Jason Kidd ended his Milwaukee tenure. What year? Um, 2000. I should have looked this up first. I was just guessing before. Um, Jason Kidd was the Milwaukee head coach through 2018. Oh, okay. So basically a new GM came in during Kidd's last year and fired him. Been there since then. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so that, yeah, that is unlikely. I will say as a destination okay. for Kidd then. Right. But we are ranking in terms of what we think Jason Kidd would be most interested in, which yes. is why even though the Bucks are not an opening, let's, you know, preface with that, Mike Budenholzer that might be is still more the head coach to him. Like the they're just it, like uh, you, you can commit two coups potentially against him and then the GM. Yeah. So technically, not an opening. Still have a head coach. They are one game away from elimination against a Brooklyn Nets team that has alternately not had Kevin. I'm sorry, James Harden and Kyrie Irving healthy for the second round series. So 
it's quite possible that they will have an opening in a couple of days. I'm, I'm not going to put that past the Bucks at all. If they lose tonight, they will have an opening tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but again, like we said, this is you know what Jason Kidd would be most interested in. And even though theoretically neither of us should have ranked the Bucks, we both did. And I ranked them a little bit higher. I'm not quite at the box yet. Okay. Uh, who did you who did you have next? I had the Pelicans. Oh, so, okay. So yeah, we have we have a little bit. I ha- I had them second. Okay. So I have the Pelicans here because I mean, again, we've talked about like <laughs> just the ridiculousness that is happening with New Orleans. I mean, it's not on the level of Dallas, but you have your star player in Zion Williamson. Apparently his family is saying that he's unhappy in New Orleans and he would prefer to play in another city. And we've seen how this plays out with the Pelicans before. Um, Twice. You have a roster that I don't think makes a lot of sense together. Um, another point guard who used to not be able to shoot, but Lonzo apparently has figured that out. And originally uh, the Lakers brought in Jason Kidd. Their stated reasoning was to mentor Lonzo. And then they traded him like two Lonzo. weeks later. <laughs> I do think that New Orleans has, uh, you know, put out names or at least uh, ESPN has put out names that New Orleans is interested in that uh, one of them is Jason Kidd, right? They're going to circle back on him because they had a head head coaching opening a year ago and he did not win it. Obviously, same thing. He didn't even make their leaked finalist list. Like he was, Ah, yeah, he did not make the final four uh, according to, I think it was like Woj at the time reported it, but we looked that up. Yeah. My gut is that they seem more interested in like the Fred Vinson, uh, you know, current assistant coach route than going with a guy like Jason Kidd. Um, Pelicans are also cheap, which makes me think that Jason Kidd is not going to get the kind of money he would like as head coach were he to take that job. And this is a guy who came into the Lakers as I believe the highest paid assistant in the league when he signed his contract. So I would imagine money is of interest to Jason Kidd. So that's something to consider when I I wonder if he's, uh, I wonder if he'd have to take a pay cut to take the Pelicans job. (laughs) That's another reason why Washington was a little bit lower on my list because we just learned that they couldn't come to terms with Scott Brooks on an appropriate dollar amount. And that makes me think they were lowballing him, but also Scott Brooks is coming off a hell of a high contract. So maybe that's not the case. Uh, I just like, we talked about this with Washington, how there's outsized expectations regarding their talent level. I think New Orleans obviously has much better talent, right? You've got Zoe, you've got Brandon Ingram and Zion who have both been all-stars. There's just, I don't feel good about the way Zion feels about the organization. And uh, like you obviously don't want to turn down the opportunity to coach a generational talent like him. But I would be very wary of coming in in this position where the way I see it, if they struggle for another year, Griff is out. And then you're hiring a new general manager. And the last thing that you want to be is the, uh, what's the word? Like the the coach that's predating a general manager. Yeah, like the, that the never coach someone else well. hires. Yeah, exactly. That never works out well unless your name is Luke Walton. So, and even then, just a year later, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I just think with all of the instability in the New Orleans situation, I would want to wait until either they express a vote of confidence in Griff, which I don't think is going to happen, or they hire a new general manager before I would step in as the head coach. Yeah, that's fair. I think. I mean, do you want me to make my Pelicans case when we go to like our our second ranked teams? Yeah, yeah, we'll wait it out. Um, So you already made your number four Bucks case, right? Yes. (laughs) All right, so now we're we're moving on to number three. I think we'll both have the same team, but I'm not sure. Harrison, who do you got? I have the Celtics. 
You the Celtics. All right. Same okay. Team. okay. Same team. All right. Yeah. So uh, as far as number one, yeah, yeah, I, I went, <laughs> yes. Uh, I think <laughs> like I went with Celtics number three, just because I think that, you know, obviously you are going to probably have like a fairly long leash there because it's Brad Stevens first coaching hire. Like he's not going to want to be like, Oh, I'm a first time GM. I got this first one wrong, like right off the bat mm-hmm. and, you know, make that call. So I, I think it's that, I mean, obviously they have a ton of talent as much as no one listening to a Lakers podcast wants to hear that about the Celtics. They did underachieve this year. Like I, I'm not sure Jason Kidd is the guy to get them to overachieve, but maybe who knows? I mean, but baseline talent level, they're good. And, you know, it, it's competitive roster. You have two young stars that are really good. And so I, I think that it's just, it's a place where you can go and kind of perhaps enhance your reputation around natural growth from Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and those guys. Yeah. I mean, part of me, like if it were just me, you know, like independent uh, person, just examining the quality of the jobs, I would probably put the Celtics at number one. You're banned from this podcast in. forever. I'm yeah. sorry. You're gone. You're gone. You, you aren't <laughs> allowed to come back. They don't fire coaches, yeah. right? Like Doc Rivers was there for 10 years. Brad they Stevens traded was him. there for, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they traded Doc. Or they didn't even fire him. Yeah. Um, Brad Stevens was there for like eight or nine. Uh, they definitely believe in organizational continuity. So like you said, you're going to have a long runway. You've got this guy, Jason Tatum, who's what, 19 years old from what I understand. And Still, just yeah. lighting the NBA on fire. Um, Jalen Brown, excellent player. I love the idea of building around wings. I think that's just a great way of building a roster. So Talent wise, like there's just there's a lot to love there. Um, the only reason I didn't put it higher is because I think Jason Kidd is looking for other things, which yeah. we'll see at the top of my list. But I mean, this is this is a team that feels like you know one move away from being back in that upper crust of the Eastern Conference, and obviously they had a really embarrassing loss this year. So you kind of get that like, for lack of a better word, like dead cat bounce. Like they're just going to automatically be a little bit better. Wait, what is a dead cat bounce? Oh, it's like when you fire one coach and the next guy comes in and everyone's happy and it just like, you know, pops back up and then. Not to channel my inner Zach Lowe. Like what, where does that idiom come from? I think it's the idea idea of like, like a cat falls. Oh, but at least it bounces when it hits the ground and it goes up. And then you think it's alive and then it falls back there. Okay. All right, so no, like, all right, that term works. I mean, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm very, I'm like sad thinking about my cat right now, but um, like I just pictured it with him and poor Sasha, but um, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry, I'll come up with a different idiom next time. But I just think that there's like naturally going to be good vibes coming in because they've been through all of this distress over the last couple of years. That and they were really unlucky this year. Like, not to make excuses exactly. for the Celtics, but all the COVID absences they had, all the injuries and stuff like that. Like, they will be in a most likely, you know, just regress upwards next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as a as a bouncing cat corpse does. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think the Celtics are a good job. I really don't have a lot of bad things to say about them, other than you know the but they suck. I mean, they, they do suck. <laughs> they're, they're Boston, right? You know, you yeah. have to deal with the, the Boston of it all. Uh, they have expressed interest in Jason Kidd, though I do think Brad Stevens is going to be a little bit more creative in his hire. I have a feeling they're going to go first-time head coach here. Yeah, me too. Uh, which is, so that's that's the only reason why I was lower on my list is because I don't think that Jason Kidd is the number one priority there. And also and again, just thinking about this from Jason Kidd's mind – Brad Stevens is probably going to have a lot of rope because he's a guy that they decided immediately, like, this is the guy we want to take the reins. See, there's no, like, upward mobility, like, guy that you can stab in the back <laughs> and then take the GM job. Like, that's going to be tough for sledding sure. there in Boston. So I think, like, that was part of my reasoning as well. 
Exactly. Nobody wants a picture perfect organization. I mean, Jason Kidd does not want a picture perfect. No, absolutely he not. Drama. He wants the most dysfunctional. Wants that, that's probably why he joined the Lakers at the time that he did, sensing a power vacuum. I mean, I had I thought about putting New Orleans ahead of Boston. Like I had, you know, arrows going back and forth on my list, and I couldn't decide up until the very moment. But I just think that that Tatum Brown core is a little bit easier to build around than Zion Ingram. Yeah, so I I guess should we go number two now? I so for now. for the second for my second ranked team, I had the New Orleans Pelicans for that exact reason that I think like you know you were talking about oh you don't know like about Griff getting the vote of confidence like with him firing a coach this quickly. For, if I'm Jason Kidd, that is great news that da- David Griffin <laughs> is potentially on the hot seat. Like this is a place where if I go in, I whisper in Zion's ear, I'm like oh man, if only I could add to the roster and you know shape this thing around you, then we could be off to the race. Oh, Oh, you like, how do you like playing? Okay. Yeah. I, I would get some guys in here that do that. I'm sorry that Griff didn't. That's a real shame until, until Zion is going to Gail Benson being like, look, you got to hire Jason Kidd or I'm taking the qualifying offer as GM. And so like, if I'm Jason Kidd, I see a clear coup path upwards in that organization. And so I think I'm going uh, like that route in terms of, because like, look, you know, we can all be honest here. When he joined the Lakers, this did not look like a stable organization. It seems to have stabilized. But at the time, (laughs) you had Magic Johnson stepping down. You had Rob Palenka, maybe a shadow GM. You had Frank Vogel coming in immediately on the hot seat because Jason Kidd was there. That was probably a place where Jason Kidd was like, I could be owner of the team in two years if I play this right. So I think like, you know, the Pelicans present an intriguing opportunity in that respect that you could really like just ingratiate yourself into the walls there and like just become a part of the fabric of the organization pretty quickly through some quick backstabbing. Yeah. See, to me, the, the Bucks job, which is what I had at number two, just seems a little bit easier. And that might sound a little contradictory considering like they're at the cusp of contention and there's a lot of pressure on the next guy to be the one to put them over the top. But to me, it seems like Mike Budenholzer is making very simple mistakes, and yes. those are easily rectifiable, you know, like use Giannis as a screener more, or like, you know, the way they play defense. Like, I, I don't think that they're going to have to, you know, think too far outside the box in terms of how to get that team to the next level, whereas, like, there's so much talent already in place. The Pelicans, on the other hand, I feel like is going to require a very creative approach to optimize Zion, yeah. and I don't know if Kid has that in him. You know? No, that's fair. I mean, he's look not to be a Jason Kidd defender here, but like I said, yeah. in Brooklyn, like he showed some like you know patchwork stuff, like put it together mm-hmm. with the Bucks, less so certainly. So you may be right mm-hmm. about in terms of like the right guy to kind of put this together around Zion scheme wise, and like the fact that apparently Stan Van Gundy, Griff said, was the only one to talk about point Zion in his job interviews. Like that does not lead a whole lot of like ideas to like Jason Kidd was coming in here with a bunch of innovative things that he wanted to use uh, like Zion as. Right. And he's going to have to teach like young guys how to play defense, which just seems really painful to have to do, you know, um, that, that that seems like one of the harder aspects of NBA coaching is getting guys to commit to playing defense. Yeah. And like they already do that in Milwaukee. So I just think that the... Yeah, Giannis the is going to hold guys accountable on that end. Right. The ask is easier with the Bucks, which again, I, I realize is like a crazy thing to say out loud when they're trying to win a championship and New Orleans is just trying to make the playoffs. And they also just fired him, but... <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, if they wanted him back, yeah. there would have to be a very high level of interest. Yeah. So yeah, that's why the Bucks are higher on my list. I just think that there's more to work with there and... Again, this is not the likelihood of the team asking for him. This is what Jason Kidd would want to do. 
and being the guy to take the Bucks over to the top, like what better way to cement his reputation? No, that's that, uh, that's a good point. I, I, quick Bucks tangent. We're always so quick to blame the coaches, and I think sometimes it's justified. I do wonder if Giannis has a little bit of what, like, I'll call for lack of a better term, AD syndrome, where he doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily want to play the role that he would be best at, and then we blame the coach for that. But that's not like an easy thing. Like, you know, Bud can't avatar state his way or avatar machine his way into Giannis's brain right. and make him a screener mm-hmm. in the pick and rolls make him want to always guard the best guy although I I I think there's like some level of debate over whether or not that's the best choice but you know in terms of the schematic thing sometimes that's not solely on the coach but it also is part Absolutely. of the coach to get the guys buy-in and you know maybe you just need a like you know a player's coach a former player to get them to, to go and do those things because it's co- different coming from a guy that isn't like you know former film room wizard or whatever uh, you know with all due respect to Pete yeah absolutely I do think that Bud probably gets a disproportionate share of the blame but when Milwaukee has you know flamed out spectacularly multiple years like to different teams in the playoffs right like when it was in Atlanta I kind of gave him a pass because he was just losing to LeBron and everybody loses to LeBron yeah but the different ways they've lost with the Bucks makes me think that like it's okay for us to put some blame on him. No, I absolutely think, to be clear, there should be some blame yeah. on him. I just wonder, yeah. like, as an entirely different thought exercise, that's something I've been thinking about a lot. It's like, is right. like is the next coach going to be able to get Giannis to do those things either? Because at that point, then we need to start asking the question, is this Giannis more than it is the coach? But yes. Absolutely. And if, one last thing, you know, if, if Jason Kidd were to get the box job, I mean, there's, I think the Wall Street Journal wrote this once, that like NBA players stars tend to win their first titles when they turn 27 and Giannis will turn 27 next year. So this is like peak time to want to get in on the Giannis experience. All right. No, I did, was not aware of that stat. That's great. Although it, yeah, lined up for AD. He won his first stat, uh, championship at 27. That's so yeah, too. there you yeah. go. Anyway, so that's right, that so we both, number one. Yeah, we both have the the same top. So we only differed on two. That's incredible. We only differed on two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we flipped like, them. It was like it wasn't yeah. two in a row. It was like two around, like around the third. That's incredible. Yeah, too much groupthink on this podcast. Yeah, so we clearly. Got to that. But yeah, number one on both of our lists, uh, the job that just became available this morning, <laughs> the Dallas Mavericks, uh, where Jason Kidd helped lead the team to their lone title in franchise history. Uh, he obviously got a shout out from Rick Carlisle in his departure note. I mean, to me, it's pretty obvious why Jason Kidd would want this job. Like, you get Luka, right? And for all of the players we've talked about, you know, that he could have a chance to coach. I mean, we talked about Giannis, too. For me, Luka might still be the best one. Yeah. What I think of Luka in the playoffs, that is the most exciting to me. Yes. No, I mean, he's... He's unbelievable, honestly, what he's doing at his age. I know you don't need a let no one needs a Lakers podcaster to say that. Like there's been tons of stuff written on how unbelievably historic Luca has been. And yeah, like that's that's the number one draw. But honestly, if I'm looking at you know, again, if we're trying to get into the mind of one Jason Kidd and think about this from his perspective, that's a job where you're getting hired, you know, potentially to come and report to Shadow GM uh, Haralabob and, you know, under Mark Cuban, where who seemingly whose whims can seemingly change on like, you know, as as the wind blows and, you know, you have Luca, you, you can you see yourself as the point guard whisperer, you're like, I'm going to be the guy that gets him to play true team basketball and make the extra pass and all of this stuff and then you know you can kind of 
like backstab your way up the organizational chain pretty quickly there. Like that's Jason Kidd, I, I sense probably likes a good power vacuum. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's no bigger power vacuum right now in the NBA than in Dallas. I also think that, you know, we've talked about the many flaws of Jason Kidd and he obviously has a checkered reputation at many different spots around the NBA in Dallas his record is pretty unimpeachable, right? Like he's the guy who helped Dirk get a title. He's the guy who Cuban moved heaven and hell to trade for. Right. Um, And gave another one of his, like, this is bullshit screens when asked if he was going to trade for him and then traded for him anyway. But did he really? Oh my God. Cuban is out of control. He is sort of, you know, a a revered figure in Dallas, right? Because part of that title team and Cuban obviously likes him. So you've got the power vacuum. You've got some sort of love from the fan base already. So you're not coming in as like this pariah. You're coming in as a guy that the team, like the the fan base already likes. And then you've got just a great team to work with. So if Dallas were interested, like this is, this is yeah, number no, one. This is the clear bet. This, this is honestly the best job in the NBA right now. If you like, if provided, you know, if you're a normal head coaching candidate that they like hire like a relatively stable GM and you know I, I mean we'll see if it's just Rallabob who knows but like yeah I don't yeah so that's that's the only problem right is that Mark Cuban has told uh, I forget who it was he told uh, let's pull this up yeah he told New York Times uh, Mark Stein reported that um, he they will hire a GM before hiring a head coach so the only real hiccup here is that you have to wait out that process and, yeah. and in that time other jobs might fill up so you're sort of you know risking that like opportunity cost. They're going to yeah. hire Luca. I think it's pretty easy. They're just like, just Luca, like starting starting guard and president of basketball operations, Luca Doncic, <laughs> at age twenty two. All right. So I have one last question for you, which you kind of uh, hinted upon earlier, but we have you know a list of eight head coaching jobs, right? And we can we quibbled on the order a little bit, but it's basically the same. Where do you draw the line where? Jason Kidd would rather stay as the lead assistant for the Lakers than take that job. Ooh, that's interesting. I honestly don't, I mean, I think the only one, I think we draw it at the Blazers because that's the one that he's <laughs> ruled out. Like, I mean, he's still taking the interviews with the magic and all of that. I think the, I think it's the, I think it's the Blazers line, you know, like, I don't know that there's any of these other than maybe like, you know, if, like jokes aside, if he actually has to take a pay cut to go coach one of these teams, I'm not sure that that's the opportunity that he wants to go grab. Although, again, he's made a lot of money. Maybe that's not what's most important to him. He just wants to be a head coach again and not work under the oppre- apparently oppressive regime of Frank Vogel, like that de- just desperately wants to get back in that lead chair. And so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I do you feel differently. I just feel like, you know, the way... His agent linked him to UNLV, for God's sake. Like, this is a guy, he just wants to be a head coach. I don't know that there's a line beyond, like, Blazers or, like, another team where he senses he can't get it. And then he's like, well, I don't want to make things awkward for the Pacers organization. And so I'm stepping Mm -hmm. down. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I mean, uh, yeah, the line is basically at the Blazers. Personally, I would draw the line at New Orleans, like, the top four. Yeah, um, I don't think any of the bottom four are better than getting another season on the Lakers bench with LeBron James. And then if they but win, then maybe you have some really appealing jobs. Like if Frank is like in his championship thing and he's like, oh, we couldn't have done it without Jason Kidd. Da, 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 da. Really hope we don't lose him. I feel like I've heard this before. <laughs> yeah. But like it's different yeah. when it's not coming off of a first round loss, you know, like. <laughs> exactly. 
yeah, his, his stock is a little bit lower now. Yeah. And like you said, the I had forgotten about the UNLV rumors. That's an excellent point. Like this guy clearly just wants to be at the front yeah, of the he bench again. Wants to be in charge, I think. I think is what we've learned. You know, look, and path reputation would lead you to believe that. Like in terms of the amount of coups he has tried to commit in his head coaching and would-be front office career. So I think like yeah. this is a guy who just wants to be in charge. He wants final say. I'm going to make one adjustment to my list. I'm going to put Orlando ahead of Washington, and I'm going to draw the line between them. Okay. I don't think he's taking the group job. Nope, I still think he'd that's, take it. I think, I think he'd take anything he was offered. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, well, I, I doubt we're going to get a report that says, like, Tommy Shepard offered Jason Kidd the job, but he said no. You know, he offered just, a like, minimum more, wage, and Jason Kidd yeah. said no thank you. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> no, anyway, um, that that is our show for today, you know. Thank you to Jason Kidd and Rick Carlella for providing us the content. And Jason Kidd's agent. Shout out. Thank you for for linking him to every job under the sun so that we can like talk about this. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a weird time in uh, Lakerland right now with the Clippers still in the playoffs and Lakers waiting for next season to start. Just, I'm not accustomed to it anymore, even though that's basically what happened for most of this decade. Yeah. It's just weird when they just want a title. Yeah. Very weird. Um, a team that just won the title and was not nominated for best team at the ESPYs, I'd like to point out, which I know means nothing, but I thought was very weird. Uh, maybe because the ESPYs are not in LA this year and LeBron's not going to go and they thought we don't want to nominate the best team if LeBron's not going to show up. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, they asked LeBron if he would go and then didn't nominate them. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> We're not going to do it. <laughs> All right. Well, make sure you all are subscribed to the Silver Screen Roll podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you want to listen to your shows. We have a link tree, I believe. Does that go in the show notes or? Uh, honestly, that's a good idea. We should be doing that. But uh, we have we have a link tree that we put up on social media, and uh, that uh, we okay. also you can if you you know if you found this on site, links to subscribe are right above and below it. Awesome. And that has been Harrison Fagan. I'm Sabrina Merchant. Make sure you're reading our Lakers coverage at silverscreenroll.com and we'll catch you next week. Get, 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 get.